man. Real life, right? Sometimes it's a drudgery. Sometimes it's a wild frontier. The best and the worst of times happening during the most mundane moments. You know, sometimes you are crushing it. Sometimes you're barely hanging on. No matter what we do, the, the clock keeps ticking. And we keep building you know, something. But what that something is, is to be determined. But it's coming. Can you see it? Or do you have your head too buried in the work? You know, I might be wrong. But can I just say to you, you gotta look up now and again. My name's Ransom, and you're listening to the ramblings of a revenant alien. Welcome, welcome to the RRA. If this is your first time here in the show, well, I'm really glad you're here. Welcome. Grab a seat anywhere you like. You got the run of the place. It's going to be a good time. We're going to do a little talking, going to do a little blues, and this is a refuge for you. You know, grab a drink if you need it, and just let your soul down, you know? I say that for those of us who don't have hair to let down. Sneak peek. Uh, I'm one of those people. However today goes, I hope you come away with some light for your journey. And if you do, hold it high and pass it on. Man, life is just crazy, everybody. Uh, crazy in a good way, though. Uh, I'm writing and living and learning. That uh, turning point that I had at the beginning of the year is panning out, and that's uh, something I'm very grateful for because that wasn't a given. That was didn't have to happen that way, but it is, and that's wonderful. So I'm just I'm just riding the wave. I hope you're riding the wave that you're enjoying too. Yeah, I got a nice variety of thoughts for you today. Some of them are a little heavy, some are a little lighter, as always. And I hope they encourage you. I hope they make you think. I hope you find something you need, something you're looking for. Because that's why I'm here. I'm just one man on the path trying to help everyone else on theirs. Now, who's up for a ramble?
What's funny is I was uh, thinking about titles for this episode 24 of the RRA. Uh, <laughs> I first wrote down, I'm sure you've done the same thing. I first wrote down TBD because I just needed to kind of put some things together. I'm like, I don't want to think about the title just yet. And the more that I kind of put the thoughts together, the more I realized that's that's a powerful phrase. To be determined. That we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what our choices are going to bring. We have hopes. We have dreams. We have ideas of what that might look like. But it's to be determined by us, by things we can't control, and by some inexplicable interaction with the will of a higher power, at least I would say. That's really interesting to me. You know, we all have a life we're trying to build and some of us, very consciously, a legacy that we're trying to leave behind. <laughs> you know, funny story. Something happened the other day my wife told me about our youngest. She was uh, traveling in the car with the missus, and she said, uh, Mom, why can't we be memories? Needless to say, my wife was just a little bit confused <laughs> and asked, uh, what do you mean, dear? And then... Our youngest then went on to explain, yeah, if you're a memory on this website, you can upgrade your digital pets, you know, and it's an RPG math website, so you, you can have more powerful weapons. <laughs> and my wife realized, oh, oh, you mean you mean a member. Yes, a member. But she said the word memory, and that, I think she hit on something really interesting. We all want to be a memory to someone, I, and I mean that in the positive sense. We all want... None of us want to be forgotten. We all at least want to make memories. And I think we want to be remembered by the people that we love. Some of us want to be remembered by more than that. I just watched that movie, uh, Knives Out, for those of you who are Ryan Johnson fans. And <laughs> I just got a kick out of out of uh, Mr. Edward Norton always saying, I want to be mentioned in the same sentence as the Mona Lisa. And then by the end of the movie, yeah, he sure was. He sure was. I won't spoil it for anybody. You should watch it. It's a long one, but it's good. But uh, in that imaginary movie world, he certainly would be a memory for people. Not exactly a good one. Anyway, with this whole idea of our lives are to be determined, I like the way my youngest put it. Let's be a memory. And I would add to that, let's be a strong memory, a bright memory, a good memory, a, a joyful memory, a truly meaningful memory. So that as we determine the future and the life that we want to build, it'll mean something to the people around us. What better thing could we hope for than to be a memory. Now, as a married man, I have uh, quite a few meditations on the nature of relationships, the nature of commitment, the nature of longevity with someone that you love. 
You know, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better friend, better community member, all of those things. But in a long-term committed relationship like a marriage, if you're listening, I think you'll gain a lot of insights about how love is not just beautiful and wonderful and enthralling and captivating, but it's also a relentless, positive, but sometimes painful force. And that's the realm where this next thought came from. Here you go. The most powerful relationship we can have is with someone who tells us the truth. You know, in love. The devastating power of that love. The endless compassion of it. Oh, that we all had someone we trusted that much that we didn't fear but welcomed their rebuke. And I think that's who God is, if we let him in. You'll find that I often tie all of these things that I think back to God. I mean, that's, that's, that's how it is. I'm a man of faith. Even my uh, non-faith friends understand that. Right? We all have our, our mental frameworks that we, we tie our meaning to. And so everything that I find in my everyday life that's true, I think has a transcendent source which is why I always consciously connect them. But that idea that someone who loves you will tell you the truth, it's humbling. Because what it makes me realize is that so many times I don't. I, I hold back what I think is the truth because I think it will cause pain, and I don't want to cause pain because I feel guilty when I cause pain. So in reality, I'm just being selfish. I think, uh, I'm sure plenty of you can relate to this, married or not, when you're in a relationship that you care about someone and you care about how they feel and, and you realize a truth that they might need to hear, but you don't want to say, <laughs> because, because then the the pain, the memory of that pain will be associated with you. And uh, it's a scary risk to be that person for someone else. Because there's always a chance they might reject it and reject you too. Love takes risk. Love takes courage. Love takes guts. And if we're not willing to tell each other the truth, then I don't necessarily think we're being all that loving. But put yourself on the other side of it. It's, it's hard to hear the truth from someone that you love because you know that they're right. <laughs> you know, they're they're close to you. They're seeing you. And uh, if, if they're seeing something, there's something there. Now, might they be wrong or wrong to a degree? Of course, of course. But if they have the courage to tell you the truth, knowing that it will make you angry at them, I hope that the knowledge that they loved you enough to tell you helps tamp down that anger a little bit because what they have done for you is a glorious thing and it's something you need to appreciate and applaud and emulate because love tells the truth no matter what it costs I mean that is giving up your life for someone else putting it on the line for their sake it's beautiful is powerful, is frightening, but it's worth doing. So wherever you find yourself, 
If you know a truth that someone you love needs to hear, go tell them. You might need to sugarcoat it a little bit, but say it out loud. For their good. And the good of both of you. That risk is worth it. And that relationship will go stronger and deeper and better. So suck it up! (laughs) Gird your loins. And go tell the truth. Anybody out there have a helicopter parent growing up? Maybe you are a helicopter parent? Yeah, I live in California. I think there is an outsized concentration of helicopter moms and dads here. And, you know, I try not to judge because every generation has their own... Ah, how do you put it? Every generation makes their own parenting mistakes, I would say. And you can argue and debate about which mistakes are better or worse, which things are better to get right or not. But, you know, I, as a parent, I, I think it's a constant battle... I think it's a constant journey of just realizing how you've <laughs> realizing how you've screwed your kids up and then just trying to heal those things. It's impossible not to do it. We're imperfect creatures and we're going to mess up. And the kids are going to feel those effects and then have to deal with them and you can work them out together. But to all the helicopter moms and dads, I, th- I think maybe there's an idea you need to consider and work into your worldview to help you calm down and help you realize that all that helicopter motion isn't necessarily going to work out the way you think. In that whole realm, I had a I had a thought that I wrote down this way. We, that is all us parents, we're all trying to give our kids a leg up, you know? Imaginative play, new learning methods, uh, extra tutoring and coaching and uh, practice regimens and on and on and on. But nothing we do is a perfect guard to keep them from going off the rails and ruining their lives or, you know, trying their dream and failing or getting caught up in a cult or a toxic relationship or leaving us in a senseless moment of violence. There are things that we can't stop, can't control. I don't mean to get a little morbid on you there at the end, but, uh, It's true, you know? We're just doing the best we can. The best we know how. And there's a big range there. I think kids are very resilient. They can live with a lot of mistakes and and excuse them. I don't know if you have kids like that who will excuse you when you make mistakes. I'll tell you it's okay because kids just want to be okay. And I sometimes apologize and then I have to, when, when one of my kids says, it's fine, Dad. I'm like, no, it's not fine. It's not fine. I mean, I try not to say it like that because then that's another moment of friction that's unnecessary. But they can absorb a lot. And as long as we're transparent and apologize when we're wrong and teach them about, you know, a a proper self-image that allows for imperfections in ourselves and other people, I think that goes a long, long way. As does prayer. My goodness. For those of you who know about the power of prayer, you know what I'm talking about. uh, All those things we can't control and can't stop... (laughs) Those are the things we pray about. But 
to all those parents out there who are trying to control everything or trying to hold on to every button and just just hold it all together, I, I hope you can take a little something from this ramble. You weren't meant to bear that burden. There's only so much you can do. And in fact, the more you try to constrict, you're doing damage in another way. I think maybe you know that deep down. I, I see helicopter parents and how stressed they look. Maybe not consciously, but I think they know things can't go on this way. You can't shield them from everything. And, and the longer you shield them from everything or try to, the more unprepared they are for the things that are going to happen. Well, for certain things that are going to happen. Not everything will happen to everyone, thank goodness. But I would just suggest that you release yourself from this burden of trying to keep your kid from failing. My wife is actually on a kick right now where she's just reading up on failure and the ways that we overcome it, the things that it teaches us, the ways we can help our kids learn it. Because what, <laughs> see what we're actually doing, what we're actually doing is training ourselves to let them fail, which is really hard to do as a parent, especially if you're a helicopter parent. You just want to shield them from all those sharp edges and corners and cracks in the sidewalk. But those things aren't going away. The best thing you can give them is resilience which will take trial, error, and failure. I just wanted to point that out for you helicopter moms and dads. You're doing a great job, first of all. Kudos to you for trying that hard. But you need to start to learn to release your grip. Because in reality, at some point, the child's going to pull out of it. Better to teach them what it feels like when you take your hand away so that they can know how to stand on their own. To know that you're still right there, you're not going anywhere, and you have their back, but you're not going to do it for them, and you're not going to stop the obstacles that are coming at them. I know that's hard. It's hard. But it's a good thing to do for you and them. The future's coming. How are you building it? Are you building it by trying to white-knuckle everything? Or by riding the wave? Because life's not a roller coaster. You know, it's not on a set track. It's an ocean. And we gotta ride it. We need to let go and just cruise that wave. It's better for us deep down, trust me. Give it a shot. And land that helicopter, okay? <laughs> sorry sorry i'm a little loopy like i said life is life is nuts nuts in a good way but uh honestly getting here in the booth is a is a good relaxation tool for me at least i'm trying to make it that so so thanks for coming along for the ride here's a thought for you for those of you who are people of faith whether that's faith in a higher power faith in an unseen world or just you know faith in optimism if you have no doubts, your faith is shallow. You know, it, it should not be so easy to believe. If you have no doubts, I don't know if you've looked hard enough into the maddening gray and the cavernous unknown. You haven't grappled with your own ignorance. 
and the kind of desperate trust it should engender. You see what I mean? The past two years have been my journey into that unknown, that abyss, that uh, dark country. I had had hard times before, but I'd never, I think, felt the chill of despair that I felt in the past two years and, and thankfully journeyed through. But on the other side of it, I see unbelievable value in taking that journey through the valley of the shadow of death. Oddly enough, I would say that's something that, you know, the timing of it, we can't control. We never know when the bottom's going to fall out and we're going to have to figure our way through something that, you know, saps our resolve, that just gut punches us and leaves us broken, angry, bitter, and wondering. Not only that, the the journey kind of made me see things from a new perspective for people that don't share the faith that I have. I've heard certain objections to believing in Jesus, following Jesus, following the Bible, that they just didn't really land for me emotionally until recently. And kind of journeying through that darkness, I, I kind of got them in a new way. Uh, certain things that I hold to be true, that I didn't find disturbing before for some reason, I do find them disturbing now. You know, the the idea that a life really can be ruined beyond redemption. That there is an end for real souls that is bleak. That's hard to swallow. The, the more you think about it, the more you just, I mean, the more I just shake my head and say, God have mercy, you know? And I believe God is merciful. And that for love to be real, it must have the possibility of being rejected. But still, this whole setup is uh, is confounding when you chew on it. Or at least it, it, it can be. It, it really reveals our own limited, finite ability to process transcendent frameworks. And to me, it's revealed what faith really is. It's looking at those conundrums and resisting the temptation to chuck everything, to say, if I can't understand it, then it has to be wrong. We don't do that with calculus. We don't do that with biology. We don't do that with science that we don't understand. We, we trust the people that at least seem to know what they're talking about. And that's a kind of faith. But when it comes to spiritual things, it's, uh, it can be a lot harder because we're trusting in something that we can't see. I would say, you know, step one, directly after that moment of faith, is doubts, you know? And doubts pull you forward, right? If you didn't have those little grits of sand in your ears, why would you keep pushing? Why would you keep trying? Why would you keep trying to understand and to know and to live out a life of wisdom and truth in relationship to what you believe is the ultimate transcendent reality? I think we need doubts. I think without them, faith is pretty shallow. It's not really faith. And that's something, you know, let me just throw that out to people who are maybe feeling doubts and thinking that they're doing something wrong. Let that idea go. Doubts mean you care. Doubts mean you're thinking and really trying to understand. 
And that is always, always, always a good thing. You got to be careful that it doesn't turn into bitterness and cynicism and pushing away things that are hard. But don't stop doubting. Don't stop asking. Because everyone who asks receives. That's the way I take that passage, right? If you know what I'm talking about in Scripture, ask, seek, knock. Seek and you'll find. Ask and you'll receive. Knock and the door will be opened. Whether you're a person of faith or not, I'd encourage you to take that attitude. Don't give up. Don't let doubts take you down. Let them drive you forward. And you will find amazing things. I believe that. Trigger warning, if anyone has uh, had any kind of trauma in their life related to gun violence and that uh, creates a very visceral pain and reaction, you may want to skip this next segment. But if you're able to stay through it, I think it's a good meditation. These words came to me. I can't remember when, but they seem apropos now. Sometimes there's nothing to say. You can't undo what's been done by talking. You have to find something to do. So I live in California, and uh, as I'm recording this near the end of January, there have been a couple mass shootings near where I live. I'm actually personally connected to uh, someone who was personally affected. Now, thankfully, no loss of life in that person's immediate family. Uh, but they were there. I have to assume they, they knew some people that are gone now. And I know we're not special. I know thousands and thousands of people across the country, across the world, have had to deal with this similar kind of pain. And I hesitate to even talk about it because I think too often we feel the need to say something when, like I said, there's there's just nothing to say. We need to look for things to do. But I think sometimes I err on that side too far, and which so I'm kind of forcing myself to think about this out loud, especially since I'm someone who believes in hope, believes in good, even in the face of horror. And maybe one of the things you have to do is say something. But what do you say? First, maybe. Evil is real. Maybe the shooter was in pain. And the more we find out about the people that commit these acts, we often find they have really disturbed existence. Often through 
things that they didn't bring on themselves. But what they chose to do with that pain was evil in a real sense. Not just because it caused other people pain, but because it was an act of death. And it's wrong. You know, going back to that whole idea of faith and doubt, these are the kinds of things that make you wonder what exactly is going on. How does that fit in? Now it doesn't seem like the time to uh, go on an intellectual exploration of reasons and logic and the best of all possible worlds, because people are hurting. And people are always hurting. This is why I, I tend not to get too loud on social media when these things happen, because I think it's hypocritical. People are always hurting, and we know about it more and more and more and more and more. We could spend our time on social media doing nothing but pointing out people that are suffering tragedy, and we don't. I don't think that means it's wrong to say something on social media. I just, I don't feel like doing that. I feel like praying for the people who are in pain and keeping a respectful silence. For those of us who are on the outside of the tragedy, though, as much as any human can be outside of such a terrible thing happening to other humans, what do we do? The answers have been given by many and many times. Love your neighbor. Reach out to that person who seems lonely, who is ostracized, who you don't like. And I know there are people that y'all don't like. There are plenty that I don't like. And this part of my life, I am learning how easily and shallowly I come to those conclusions. I'm trying to let them go. But it's not easy. It's a fight and it's a journey and I need help. That is why I'm a person of faith, among other reasons. The wound in the human soul is too deep for us to heal it ourselves. Hard to come to a definitive conclusion to this little ramble, just uh, I'll leave you with a reminder. Hug the people you love and love the people you barely know. Who knows what small act of good can avert a disaster. Also, don't spend any time wondering how you might have changed things. It's wasted energy. Think about how you might change things ahead of you. And to everyone enduring unimaginable suffering. God. If I could, I'd give you a hug right now. In whatever way you preferred. And I pray there are people around you who are caring about you right now. Those of you who uh, things are good for, let's be the ones who care and carry each other's burdens. You know what's wild is that no matter what kind of tragedies are going on all around the world, 
we all have to keep living and seeking solutions and taking joy in the simple things that are all around us to hold on to the light more than we fear the darkness to live in hope and not just sorrow yeah it's a razor's edge but hopefully we keep living and learning and right now I am trying to learn about patience paciencia because uh it may surprise some of you to learn, but I uh, can have kind of a short fuse sometimes. Uh, I'm pretty friendly, yeah. But man, the past couple of years, I've realized I can be a mean old cuss. And uh, that's, it was an interesting realization to make. And to realize like, oh man, I have a mean streak. I really do. And it needs some work. And I'm working on it. Uh, step one was just kind of looking at this idea of what does it mean to be patient? What what does patience mean? Now, of course, in my context, that meant going to Scripture and taking a look at what's in there, which always involves the study of languages, which is fascinating to see what what did another culture mean when they said patience? What word did they use? And the, uh, the word that I discovered that I just love to death is a Greek word, macrothumia. For those of you who might uh, be on the art of manliness, it includes that word thumos, which is an incredibly dynamic word. It means it means power, it means energy, it means strength. And macro, well, I mean, you might think, oh, like a macro lens, like it makes smaller things bigger. No. Macro means long in Greek. So long strength. In fact, Long, the ability to endure suffering. Long suffering. I don't know why it took me over 40 years to figure this out, but I finally got it. Patience is the ability to stay in a moment that you just want to snap and leave. A painful moment where you are either annoyed or angry or fed up and you just want to attack and then go. But if you have patience, you don't leave. You stay under it. You stay where you need to stay, and you work through it. You lift the weight. You don't drop it, right? And that's what I'm learning, especially in the context of being a parent. Because, lo and behold, what a surprise. My kids have different minds than I do. Their minds work different ways. They see the world a different way. They're working through it with their own trains of thought that I may not understand right away. <laughs> and man, they try to give me a ride on those trains of thought, and I just want to get off. Because I'm trying to help them understand something or explain a concept, or, you know, with my son, he's always writing music, and he'll ask me for help, and I try to help him in the way that I would want help, but he doesn't want that kind of help, and he gets upset, and then I get upset. You see the, the cycle that's happening here. But, as I've been understanding, okay, patience is basically strength. I've been trying to learn, praying for help to learn, to stay in the pain till it passes. And when you do that, you're stronger on the other side. Happened with my son on, on this past Sunday morning. He's working on this amazing composition that he wants to do for a talent show for a conference we're hopefully going to get to. And he's trying to compose it in a certain way that is 
completely foreign to the way that I write music. It just did it didn't it didn't make sense to me. And and he was asking me to help him compose certain parts of it or to get ideas. And I would just give him suggestions and he he got upset. He got kind of angry because I was changing the song into something that he wasn't intending. So I had to take a deep breath and slow down and stay in the pain and ask what he really wanted, what he was looking for. And that forced me to to listen and to understand and to then see the way his mind was working and what he was trying to create and how I could be helpful in that process rather than just doing what I would do if it was my song. That was hard. And in past times, I would have just thrown up my hands and said, write it yourself and walked away. And I've done that. I think we all have, all us parents. But I can at least now tell you from personal experience, if you can endure it and get to the other side, there's something good there waiting for you. Trust me, it's worth the pain. And just one more admonition for you today. Keep living, keep learning. Show some patience. Lean into it. You'll be glad you did. Okay, time to look in the mirror. How many of you all, like me, believe that you are right most of the time? Anybody? Anybody? Hands? Hands? Yeah, I see you in the back. (laughs) Yeah, right? We think what we think, and we are fairly certain that we are right. At least we operate from that assumption. That's why we probably fight so much and argue. I tell you what, my kids think they're right about everything. Mm Mm-hmm. What do they say? Uh, Ask your teenager uh, all the questions you have while they still know everything? (laughs) It's kind of true. Anyway, this this thought came to me. I take no comfort in knowing some people believe lies. They believe them. And they are deceived. And yet they will still bear the consequences of those lies that they trust. That's horrifying. And it brings up an obvious question. What lies do I believe? <laughs> right? A little too honest? Anybody else feeling uncomfortable? Is it getting hot in here? I remember my older brother said this to me one time. And I've heard a TED talk about it, too, now that I think about it. The idea, what does it feel like to be wrong? Feels like being right. It's very different from the feeling of finding out you were wrong. That's a terrible feeling. None of us like that. You know, the the more mature we get, we can kind of ride through it and learn something. But most of us, when we find out we're wrong, we feel shame. We feel sadness. We feel like anger at ourselves. I think that's where a lot of self-loathing comes from. We we went through something and we found out that we were not well-informed and we were believing something about the world that was not true. And man, it, it smashed us down. We were wrong, and we learned the hard way. That that just kind of blows my mind. How does that happen? You know, we do it to ourselves. We learn lies from certain people, I think. We pick up wrong formulations of the way the world works. I don't know. 
We do what we want to, even though we know it's probably not good. And eventually it becomes a pattern that we just kind of accept. Why don't we find what's true naturally? Why is that? Any thoughts? Anyone? Bueller? Something wrong with this, y'all. Something wrong with all of us. Maybe there's a pinch of comfort there. It's the human experience. We are all going through this journey of trying to unlearn lies that we picked up along the way. And it's not always terribly encouraging to realize that until you realize something is not true, you think it is. Which means there very well might be things that are not true that you're believing right now. Me too. All of us. I mean, goodness gracious. At the same time, that angst is kind of a good thing. At least we're wondering. At least we're looking and, and trying to figure out if there's any kind of fissure in our worldview that needs to be repaired. Because if you're not wondering at all whether or not you're right, heads up, man. You know, you might be standing on some train tracks. Need to step off of that. Put some distance between you and that oncoming train. You know, this feels like kind of a stub of an idea, and I'm not necessarily sure where it goes except to the idea that we need a solution. One that I often talk about on this show and have on my webpage. One that is uh, controversial, hotly debated, and understandably so. Because when someone claims to be right without the possibility of being wrong, since we know we're often wrong, we think to ourselves, meh, you could be wrong. And as humans, we always could be. That is a staggeringly deep consideration if you really think about it. We really could be wrong. You could, I could. Again, that's faith. Holding on through those doubts. But I think the journey is worth it. To examine yourself. Examine what you hold to be true. And really ask, is it? Or am I hanging on to something that's going to break and let me fall? Hmm. Heavy. Just been that kind of week, I guess. <laughs> anyway, maybe step outside for a second and get some fresh air. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. carry around a little Moleskine tiny notebook where I write down these thoughts and write down these ideas as they come to me. It's a discipline that I'd always been told to do as a writer that I never really actualized until I started doing this podcast. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen the pictures of uh, season one versus season two, and that's kind of fun. Uh, but what I've been doing is writing them down in a book and then transferring them to a a pages document, because I'm an Apple guy, and I just haven't shelled out for Word yet. And then, you know, pasting them over into a script or writing them out or that kind of thing. But I kind of like the idea of just reading what I got from the book. And just flipping it open. That way, I almost don't even need to write them in the pages anymore. That'll be more efficient, maybe, right? Anyway, I did not put this in the Word document. I'm reading it straight from the pages of the Ramblings of a Revenant Alien uh, 
what do we call this thing? Uh, font of Ideas. Here you go. This is a happy one to end on, I promise. Like I said, it's been been a bit heavy today. Maybe that's just the nature of where my mind goes when I think of these soliloquies. I don't know, but let's end on a happy note. Or at least to me, it's a happy note, all right? Here you go. Retirement, you know, the end of your life as it, as it comes at you, is like getting ready for a wedding and getting ready for the big day. Yeah, putting oil in your lamp, to use an old-school religious metaphor, uh, because the celebration is coming. The happy ending is coming. For those of you who are people of faith like me, I would say this to you. Your grip on life should loosen as you get older, not tighten. You should be able to let go of more things. You should be able to be happy with less. You should be able to see the beauty in simple moments in ways that you never have been able to before because you're not so distracted with surviving. You can see the end coming. You can see the finish line. It's a home stretch, not a slow descent into darkness. If you don't believe in that same happy ending as I do, maybe this doesn't land for you. And for that, I'm sorry because it's, uh, I think it's, it's one of the best hopes offered to us as people. I'm not going to try to debate you out of your position. Don't worry. We can do that some other time offline if you want. Whoever you are out there, you know where to find me. But it's like that monologue from Gandalf at the end of uh, Lord of the Rings. I'm not even going to try to imitate it because I haven't memorized it and I don't know it. But if uh, you know the one I mean, the idea of riding not into a sunset but into a sunrise is so beautiful it should bring you to tears. It does for me. I talked about it the last episode, that idea of being able to see forever at last. If we're able to conceive of it, it's something that we all long for. And that's interesting, don't you think? Especially if this is all there is. Why do we want that? Where did that come from? Again, not trying to debate. I'm sure answers are popping up for many of you. But it's worth asking the question. And I think we're lucky if we can see the world that way. See it as a thing of beauty that leads to something even greater. Even with all the horror around us and the pain. The seemingly senseless pain. I think one day we'll understand. In ways we can't even imagine right now. I hope so. I believe it. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to try to make your life better. Is that okay? Whether you share my faith or not. Whether you enjoy the blues or not. Though if you don't, I'm not sure why you're listening. But I'm glad that you are. And maybe I can change your mind. About more things than one. Wherever you are, I hope you're having a good day. I hope you see some sort of bright ending ahead and more beautiful new things beyond it. I'm cheering for you. I'm in your corner. I believe in you. And I'm not the only one. That's all for this week, my lovely people. Hope you enjoyed it. 
I hope even if it was a little somber here and there that you came away feeling encouraged and alive and thankful. I mean, that's the best thing I can do for you. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and share. And, uh, of course, most importantly, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Hope it uh, hopefully get fed to some people. That would be amazing. If for some strange reason you would like to support the show concretely, go to the last link in the show notes. You'll see the word support. Click it. You can give a small amount monthly to help me keep doing this and keep doing better stuff and hopefully take care of other people in the process, right? I'd love to bring on other artists. I'd love to include other people, and I also want to uh, make it worth their time. So the more we grow, the more the growth can spread. So if that's you, I thank you in advance. You can reach me at revenantalien.com slash contact, or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Medium. Just search for at a revenant alien. That's my handle on all three of those platforms. I like to think I'm not that hard to find. And as always, if uh, the things I've said about truth and faith and transcendence are uh, piquing your curiosity and you'd like a more concise, thorough explanation of what I think is real and good and true, you can go to revenantalien.com searchers. And you can make your own determination. Don't be a stranger. Godspeed. And I'll see you out there. <laughs>